Hey, Husky fans, welcome back to Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast from Sports Illustrated Husky Maven Channel. My name is Trevor Mueller. With me is Kayla Olin and Kayla, uh, new coach, same result. Washington Falls blows a fourth quarter lead. Bob Gregory, 0-1 as a head coach, to my knowledge. Um, you were there. <laughs> Give me the your initial reaction to this uh, this this latest defeat. The it sucks because you had such a high and low. If you know you were there or just even as a fan, you go, you first score, you know, you put up seven and then you hold them to three and out and then you go back down again and put up another seven and it looks to be good. And then all of a sudden you see Sam Hewitt in there and everyone's like, what's going on right now? But overall, people were really happy about the play calling just in terms of right situations right time you're passing on third and long what a concept right you have a couple of interesting passes and some plays that you know washington fans hadn't seen and they're like wait that was in there or did you add that <laughs> right and so there was a lot of wave of emotion and then you're up by 10 with seven minutes left and you're thinking wow this is this is really cool this coaching staff looks great and then they ended up losing it. It's just like different day, same result. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, is, is junior Adams even said it, he's not going to be able to reinvent the wheel, reinvent a new uh, offense in a week. And that's correct. And, and same with the defense. Cause the reality is the same defensive personnel are still there. The same coaches are still there and the same schemes are still there and the same glaring issues down the stretch. Um, also, came to fruition. Um, I need a, I need a historian who's, who's a, just a, a college football savant to go figure out uh, the most amount of losses one team has when they keep a quarterback under a hundred yards passing. It's insane. And, you know, we've, you and I have both have been big on the defense isn't the issue with right. how the results of these games have been because they are spending a lot of time, on the field. And I mean, 286 yards on the ground compared to 90 in the air. Yeah. And then if you want to look at time of possession, it's not like Washington's defense because against Oregon, Oregon's offense was on the field almost twice right. as much as Washington's right. was. And Arizona state had 33 and change and Washington had 26, almost 27 minutes. Right. And so those were fairly balanced. So I don't really think that the defense was all that tired. Yes. I mean, I can't speak for them. Right. right. But given up that one drive that lasted nine minutes and let me find the exact second, nine minutes and nine seconds. That was probably one of the biggest turning points because you're up by 10. You allow them to come back within three and then right. you have to punt and they score another touchdown again with just so few time with so little time remaining. Yeah. That it was almost a completely different defense. Just, you know, you were doing so well. I mean, you gave up some touchdowns, but it's not like right. The clock was just your, you know, sun devil at this point. <laughs> that was like the worst dad joke ever. I'm so sorry. I really liked it. It was it was subtle. You got to be <laughs> listening to get it and I really enjoyed it. That was a good one. I mean, uh, I didn't get as good of a laugh as I did with the block in the back last time. I don't but... know if you'll ever get it. That, that was a hall that going, that's going in the hall of fame. That was such <laughs> a good joke. 
Uh, yeah, poorly timed, but <laughs> I, I was like, saw some like awkwardness, just the fact of the whole situation. I was like, what can I do? <laughs> I just wish that you could have been there to say that. And uh, you would either get the reaction I got or just like stare, like blank stares. Oh, and if I said that, like as an official at Jimmy Lake, he probably would like looked at me and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> he said it you know like oh lord <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing um yeah so it, you know going through the flow of this game um you mentioned it in the pre-show is uh is sam heward coming in and the couple of times that he got in there at the start of the game the field position wasn't great and uh um you know some of his throws looked good but uh it, it I think it was the right call to do it. Um, I don't know if they gave, uh, you know, Dylan Morris was in a rhythm to start. Um, the I, I know it was wet there, right? Like it, it looked a little slippery. Um, yeah. uh, I'm not going to fault them for putting him in, but, uh, you know, soon after uh, it seemed like Dylan Morris reverted back to some of his old ways of, of missing receivers by large margins. I've always been big on, you know, playing the person best fit. And while sometimes Dylan Morris didn't look to be the best fit at quarterback and maybe Sam Heward was right. Given the situation of all of it, like you mentioned, I, before, you know, we started recording, we were kind of talking about a little bit and you actually brought up, you know, that the times that he did start, it was in very poor field position. And I didn't really think of that, but I just had a issue with Sam Heward starting a series, especially after Dylan Morris scores on the opening two drives, which I do not believe has happened all season long. I don't know if it's happened in the John Donovan era. (laughs) You got the jokes now. You're the one with the jokes. (laughs) We're just passing this trophy back and forth. Yeah. But... I don't know if it was, and you kind of were saying, you know, Dylan Morris to kind of be playing in his old ways, but do you say that was because he got pulled in out of his rhythm and had to sit in the rain on the sideline, get a little cold or, you know, I, I'm, I, if I could be a fly on the wall in any situation this season, I mean, it would be many, it'd be many, trust yeah. me, but I would probably want to be a fly on the wall and say, you know, like who made that decision? Was that Bob Gregory? was that junior Adams. And then what was the thought process of why? And if it's just to get him reps, cool. Do it when you're up by 28, nothing, not when you're up 14, nothing in the first quarter against a team that is still competing to win the PAC 12 South. Yeah. I guess like there's a couple, again, I would love to be there to know because, um, you know, what we've seen all year hasn't worked and, and there's been some sweeping changes already. And then we're, you know, we're, we're expecting some news later this week at some point uh, about even more changes, but the offense has been absolutely broken. And, and there's one person and not one person, but you know, the, the responsibility was put on um, John Donovan's shoulders. Uh, I mean, for good reason, because he's the offensive coordinator. Um, but the play of Dylan Morris has deteriorated this year. So putting in, uh, getting, getting reps to your backup, uh, is not necessarily, 
um, unwarranted. I mean, Dylan Morris has not looked like the guy for most of the, these losing streaks. Right. And and even some of the winning streaks, he struggled and whether that's been scheme or, you know, whatever, we just haven't seen the development we were hoping to see from Dylan Morris. And, you know, uh, so with kind of that in the back of your mind, yeah, absolutely. You got to make sure that you want to see, you want to see your backup. Um, yeah, that's, that's in the flow fair. of the game. I, I mean, the other part of coaching, uh, the, you know, d- coaching is such a multifaceted profession because especially at the college level, right? You're, you have, you got to recruit, you got to develop, you got to coach scheme. Um, but also there's, uh, you know, a lot of coaches make a lot of money just being good in-game coaches and um, making the right decision and, and feeling the, feeling the momentum of the game. And um, I think that div- deviating from that plan when you're the quarterback that you started with has gone down and orchestrated two really good offensive series. I would probably go back to him and, and, you know, if the plan is to still get Sam Heward, like two, two reps, you can get, you can get him those two series. You just don't have, you don't necessarily have to do it how you did it. Uh, your game plan isn't written with Sharpie. It's written with washable ink. So, um, you know, having him start the second half or once Dylan Morris has a, a three and out, then you go to him for his, for his two series. Like maybe that might've been the right choice, but, uh, I don't fault them for putting in uh, Sam Heward. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's kind of going to be it's going to be one of those situations where Husky Twitter is just kind of divided. <laughs> right. Well, they're going to be mad about whatever they do. They're yeah. mad about everything, right? Sure. And- I, for for good reason. It's not it's not necessary. Like, there's been a lot of frustration this year. You and I have talked about it a lot too. Exactly, yeah. and. It's weird to even say that there is a bright spot to this game, but the fact that Washington put up 30 points huge, huge. I don't think that I would have picked 30. I know I picked over 20, but 30 yeah. was, it was a reach, especially given the circumstances with the coaching staff and everything yeah. like that. And I don't know. Again, it's very hard to get all of the intel when you're at the game, just because you hear what the announcer is saying on who has carries for yardages, right. the situation, everything like that, compared to a TV where you actually have reporters on the sideline sending information up for yes. you to hear. And then you have cameras everywhere that it's a lot closer. Where was Sean McGrew? He was because we, we saw that, but I didn't know if they had said anything about like a long-term injury, a short-term injury. Okay. No, it was it, because that was all of our things that we're, we're like, what happened? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> I, it's, it's one of the frustrations of, of this cat and mouse game that the coaching staff likes, you know, a lot of coaching staffs like to play is not giving out an injury report on who was maybe nicked up. Um, the only way you're going to get on there is if you're, you know, out for the season. So exactly. I get it. They, they don't want to show their hand and, and game plan, but it also, you never know what's going on with these kids. Cause I mean, well, I mean, I, I, my guess is you're probably not going to see another Jimmy Lake press conference, but kids that were out, he all we'd always say is week to week. So, um, 
that's all we know. And uh, there was somebody who else was out for this game. Um, somebody else, I don't remember, but um, yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of what we got from that. Okay, yeah, because I mean, we saw that, but we heard nothing about it, and so. Yeah. I wasn't sure if they had said more on, you know, TV wise, just especially if people are listening and they were actually at the game and didn't yeah. really kind of get an answer as well. And I think they showed them on the sidelines and they mentioned that was it. Okay. That makes sense. But I was pretty impressed with the receivers actually. Yeah. And the fact that in the rain, how it was 171 yards. Yeah. Receiving was a good day. Yeah. I think. And the, it, you know, the, the top two guys especially looked really special. Like they're, <laughs> there there's Roma Dunes and Jamie McMillan are really, really high quality PAC 12 receivers. And um, they, they showed it again. You're right. They're, they're open. And there were even times where Morris threw to the wrong one because the other guy was wide open. And uh, I can <laughs> think of uh, Roma Dunes on a, uh, I don't remember, exactly what it uh it was a third down situation and rome probably runs seven yards for a touchdown and uh it is what it is those receivers are really good i got a question for you um before we get to turning points and grades do you um how how big of an indictment was you were there early um you saw the energy on the sidelines you saw the way that they executed coming out What's the indictment on John Donovan and Jimmy Lake from this game? It was so strange to see the players having fun. So Washington's athletic department is trying to kind of, I think it's between the first and second quarter. They're trying to get the entire stadium to have like their song that the entire stadium sings. And it's party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. Sure. And they have the lyrics up and they show people, you know, like just singing it, the crowd and stuff like that. And the players were on the sidelines singing it and dancing and having fun, you know, and that has not been something that I have seen all season long. Yeah. I don't know if they've never showed that on the big screen. You'd think they would have, right? but it was kind of just, they knew that this game, I mean, every game matters, but that this one is different. Yeah. And at the time they were still up two scores. So it's kind of just, this is a great feeling. And the players just looked to be more unified. Yeah. And I don't know if that is happiness from a different play caller or under new leadership or what was said in the locker room but it looked and felt different. And the only thing that kind of sucked was that the fans weren't there to rally with them. The student section was fairly empty. Uh, The stadium itself was fairly empty. And I just, it was exciting to be there and the outcome wasn't a win. Mm -hmm. But I think it was a win emotionally or mentally for those kids from what it seemed. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it looked the the energy on the, uh, when they showed the sidelines seemed uh, better and just the execution. I mean, that was, I think the biggest indictment of, of John Donovan and uh, really hamstringing this group. And I don't remember which 
uh, offensive lineman said it, but he even said after the game something along the lines of, "Yeah, it's it's a little easier to 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 run block when when the defense." Uh, isn't sure if it's going to go straight up the middle <laughs> and there's an absolute shot at their former offensive coordinator. So pew, 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 pew. <laughs> exactly. So um, yeah, that's, you know, I, I, I'm, I, and, it's, I, and it's sad because you want those kids to like who they play for. Oh, of course. And, you know, or, or at least respect, I guess is you don't have to like them. You got to respect them. Exactly. And you know, when it was announced that Jimmy was the head coach, we kind of had talked and were happy for Jimmy and the program. And it seemed like those kids were really happy for him, not losing a single kid in the recruiting class and right. nobody really left. Right. And then to see fast forward, you know, a year and a half, two years later, it's completely different. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Um, Sweeping changes coming. Um, I think, I guess, I, let's go over um, really the turning point of the game. And um, I think that offensively, uh, the real turning point was the game. And it's it's not it's not the uh, it's not the turnover where uh, it's not the pick six. It's not any of those. I think. I think really the, 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 the straw that broke the camel's back was um, the three and out when Washington was still up um, in the fourth quarter. I think that if Washington is able to string together um, a few first downs and milk this clock, um, Arizona State isn't able to just lean on this Washington defense that has shown time and time again that uh, consistently throughout a game that they're not going to be able to stop the run. So uh, some errant throws, that three and out, uh, buried this Husky defense, uh, giving Arizona state good field position to be able to go win it. Um, just a really unfortunate, uh, a turn of events after how well they had played in spurts offensively during this game. Uh, what's your defensive? I love your offensive turning point, especially when it can be a little hard to find one when it was such a toe-to-toe game it seems like in that second half right so really liked your turning point there uh had to give you credit on that one um defensively the turning point was when Arizona State's offense was on the field and Washington's defense for nine minutes and nine seconds 100 and I kind of just touched on that one a little bit earlier but if you look at the situations on the field how it was it was a first and ten second and four first and ten second and six third and one Fourth and one, they go for it. They get it on Arizona State's own 46. Yeah. Uh, first and 10, first and 15, second and six, third and six, third and 16. And then for 18 yards, another first down. Yeah. It was just third and long and giving up a first down is something that Washington's defense doesn't do all too often. Right. Which right. it kind of was a little bit more shocking almost that they did give up such big plays for so long and it's Stanford did it against Washington last season with the final seven minutes and 58 seconds, but nine minutes and nine seconds that takes a lot out of the defense. The That's offense over is- half a quarter. Exactly. And even if Arizona state doesn't come away with a touchdown, which ultimately that play did, mm-hmm. I think the defense is still tired and this was yeah. probably the same outcome. 
Well, you even saw in that during that um, that series, you saw a lot of bad angles from uh, from linebackers and uh, the back end as well from the safeties. Yeah, and you can kind of look at third down conversions and attempts, and it actually looked like Washington was doing really well on holding them with three mm-hmm. and outs or forcing turnovers or to punt and Arizona state was three for 12 on third downs. Washington was four for 12. I don't think we've seen many times this season that Washington is better on third down conversions than the other team. Great point. And then you have Arizona state. One of theirs was long of nine plus yards, one for four, and then shorts one to four yards, one for four there. Washington on third and short was three for five and then one for three on third and long. So it looked like the offense was starting to click, but unfortunately the defense started to lose control a little bit at the end. Yes. Oh, a hundred percent. I think that you're, you're absolutely right. That um, I think it's, it's no longer week. We've shut, we, we were shown today or last night that Washington's defense um is is flawed as well um i think that blaming it putting all the the um all of the blame on the offense like we did for the oregon game and i think um correctly so uh but you know this defense also uh has some holes in it and and i think some of it's also we're going to keep coming back to the scheme thing um and it is kind of funny because the other person that preaches the way that this defense runs is, uh, is Pete Kwiatkowski and, and that Texas defense, I know that they don't have their guys in there yet, but man, oh man, you know, losing to Kansas, giving up 57 points. Uh, <laughs> there's a, a, a Twitter handle I follow that goes on to and post pictures of like some of the wildest comments and some guy like challenge, basically challenged Kwiatkowski to a duel. <laughs> um, uh, whoever wins the fight, uh, if, if this poster wins the fight, then Kwiatkowski has to leave Texas. <laughs> um, That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. See, and it's not on coach K at no. that point. It's kind of a, a little bit of a seven win Sark flashback, yeah. I think. But, it, but, but you know, they have the same, they have the same, uh, frustration that you're still talking about uh, keeping two safeties really high back. And if they don't take good routes, that's a big, that's a big game. Exactly. And that's kind of always been that flaw. I think of this defense that Jimmy Lay coach K had of and why they got to get away with it for so long in those shining years is yeah. you're not getting through Vita Vea, you know, yes. you're not, Yes, you're not getting through that defensive line. And so you could have those safeties or, you know, some of those linebackers be a little bit deeper. Yes. Just because Vita was the one man show and could take care of it himself. And you were never really put in those running situations, but you had to stop them if the defensive line got beat. So Vita and Greg Gaines were on the field at the same time for Washington. Just stretch your arms out and you got that entire line change. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can then put your safeties all the way back, but you know, it's also, we talked kind of a little bit about the offense, the defense who struggles 30 points from the offense. I think 
was more than enough to ask for. hundred percent. And then you have, you only have one penalty all night and it's for three yards. Yeah. Well, compared to Arizona states of nine for 94. Yeah. That was wild. How many, how many, uh, false starts did they have? Yeah. And imagine how many more you could have if that stadium is, you know, packed, but so it's hard to be upset one way or the other at this team. I don't think you can really be upset too much at the play calling entirely. No. Um, it really came down to turnovers and that comes back to the offense, unfortunately, but Washington having seven points off of a turnover, whereas Arizona state had 13 and Washington lost by five. Yeah. And so that's, that's actually a really good point because the defense did not give up 35 points. They gave up 21 points. Yes. So that's they're They are getting chunked up and they, they lost, um, they lost the lead in the fourth quarter. Um, but this was not 35 points hung on the defense. Exactly. So I think that's a really, that's a really, and one's a pick error. six. One's a pick six was, was there, what did he, it wasn't a scoop and score. So I guess the defense is charged with that, um, that backwards lateral that was picked up by Arizona state or did that get in? I don't believe it did. I, I didn't think it did. Um, Cause Arizona state's defense only had um, one. They only had the one. Okay. And it was the pick six. Where is that silly play? Where is that silly play? But overall, yeah, kind of, you know, especially moving forward, I think this mm-hmm. was a big win and it was a must win situation almost just because yeah, now Washington has to win out to be eligible. Yeah, they do. And, and that obviously starts in Boulder this weekend. And um, you're going to be there. I'll be there for that. I'm really excited about that. Uh, and then the Apple Cup. And, you know, the one thing about the Cougs and pretty much everybody else in the Pac-12 this year is um, they look good sometimes and they look really beatable. And so I think that Washington has a chance to get to six and six. I think obviously we all want them to we want to I want to see my favorite team play one more game during the holiday season. So uh I'm here for it and I really hope and your that... UW like Santa hat. Exactly. <laughs> so I just I I hope this team is able to to kind of rally um around each other. Uh and I hope that you know there's gonna be supporters there to really celebrate these kids going through uh, a really trying season. If Washington does make it to a bowl game, it's going to have a huge testament to who these players are. Yeah. Just, it seems like Murphy's law, almost anything that can go wrong. Will you're now down. Let's assume Sean McGrew's out for a couple of weeks and wouldn't Mm -hmm. be back until a bowl. Um, That's your two starting running backs that are out. Right. You lose your leading linebacker with Eddie. Yeah. And you had your receiver who's supposed to come in from Texas tech and make big plays. Very first catch of his season against Montana happened to go have emergency surgery right after the game. Right. It's you, your offensive coordinator gets fired. Your head coach is what's seemingly getting fired as well. (laughs) It's not been easy for these kids. And as much as we we've been so frustrated, Right. All season long right. and rightfully so sometimes hundred percent, but I couldn't imagine what 
they are feeling or going through because I mean, they get bashed on social media too, all the time. Right. And and I think it, it stems, it stems from the top down. I mean, the, the issue with this team started with, um, you know, the, the head coach hiring, um, an offensive coordinator that, that most of the college football had, um, you know, tossed to the side, isn't the right word. Uh, he, he, he probably wasn't going to get a major job as a coordinator in, uh, college football. And all of a sudden he's at Washington and, and the quarterback coach. (laughs) Yeah. And, and just that, I think that set up a domino effect for this, for this program and for this head coach that, um, wasn't, the trajectory any of us saw when, you know, you go back to that press conference where Peterson steps down and Lake becomes the, the, the head. And uh, most of the moves you can go back now and see trace uh, to where we're at now. That's another fly on the wall moment I would want. I'm just going to start making a list of these fly on the wall moments. And one would be just to kind of see what Chris Peterson is saying or thinking when, all of this happens, especially last weekend against Oregon. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, the state. And I'm really curious, kind of, I know we didn't do grades last week against Oregon because there was too much to talk about with just right. the coaching situation and everything at hand. But I'm curious as your grades, if you're going to be pretty harsh on them or a little hot or a little easy or. Yeah, I think, and, and often, I mean, I guess for you too, because there, there was, there was really good and there was some really not good stuff that yeah. happened on the defensive side of the ball too. But uh, starting with quarterback, uh, I'm going to go probably a C minus because there was definitely some stuff that I saw that was good from Dylan Morris specifically. Those first two drives, he looked really good. and But then missing players when it mattered, uh, I thought was was a, a big issue. Um, Sam Heward got, you know, what he took, three passes. They looked, they looked fine. Um, the fumble kind of derailed his first uh, his first series. And then one of the other series later in the game, um, it was the, uh, Cam Davis show when he got the ball every single time and went down for a touchdown. So, um, uh, I think overall C minus would be appropriate. There was some good, there were some flashes of good flashes of bad. What do you think about that? I really like that, especially because like you were saying, given the situation, it's, the same playbook, but it's also just kind of being gone about a different way than what you have been used to for the last eight games. Right. And so I do really like all of those grades, especially, especially the quarterback one. I think I was a little bit more harsh on just the decision with Sam Heward compared Mm -hmm. to Dylan Morris, but I, I agree. Yeah. And then receivers, I'm, I'll go B plus. Um, I thought that they were open. They were doing their job. They were blocking better. I know that Mike, um, uh, us three, including Mike talked about that a little bit. Um, I thought they did a really good job. I thought they were open. There was a couple of drops, but, um, it was a slippery day as well. So, uh, I'm going to give them a B plus because they continue to be, in my opinion, the best position group on the offense. Yeah, I know Mike's hottest take was that the receivers aren't good. And you and I were both like, absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, Romo Dunze had a slip in the middle of the field on yeah. a. Oh, yeah, there was a huge lane for that, too. Oh, yeah, man. that one could have gone a ways. Uh huh. 
And given the elements, 171 receiving yards, I'm not upset about sure. at all. And so you got to see Kate on a little bit more. Devin yep. Culp had a great 26 yard, you know. Yeah, touchdown. It was it was go- it was gorgeous. Yeah, it was. It was awesome. And so I was I was fairly happy with them. I think I'd even probably go as low as an A mi- or as high as an A minus, uh, just given the weather and circumstances. But B plus is still still fine with that one. Yeah, and then running backs, you know, on the day, um, you know, Cam Davis was um, impressive, right? Like um, he he was finding holes. They were, but other than that, you know, you look at the, the Dylan Morris had four carries, I guess. Kamari had three. Rome had two. Cam Davis, uh, and then uh, uh, Roma Dunze with two with. 13 yards. So not a lot going on the ground. Um, and if you take out that series, you know, what is Cam Davis at? So, uh, I guess a, a solid B I thought Cam Davis, uh, is continuing to develop into a really good back. Yeah. Um, I'd probably even just go B minus a little bit just yeah. because if you do take out, um, Sam here is negative seven yards. The rushing game is over a hundred, Yeah, but I don't know. There was just only one long of double digits and it came from Cam Davis's 23. Right. The rest were all just seven, five, eight, yeah. three. And I think the fate, my favorite thing that I did see is that race Porter had a rush for eight yards. Yeah. And that's that he appeared he got, in the rush. Absolutely targeted too. And they like, he was a half a yard short, but the guy led with the crown of his helmet and crushed race Porter's just, head textbook material targeting yeah it was brutal and no no flag at all so uh that was that was disappointing because uh, uh that was a nice run by race um, no, yeah where, where, where's the pittsburgh Steeler and bear refs when you need them exactly <laughs> exactly um yeah and, and i guess side note race porter again just every week what's cool about being on the, on the, uh, at home listening, uh, to the broadcast is these guys who don't actually know who race Porter is. And they're like, well, that's a 60 yard punt. And then it's like 70 yard punt. That was that was 73, 73, just booming kicks. And, uh, <laughs> uh, it's always a joy to, um, listen to somebody else learn who race Porter is. You would think race, because as much as we talk about race Porter, you'd be like, Oh, is he the quarterback? Is right. Is he the coach? Because we just hear nothing but great things. It's clearly right. Yeah. I a think top player. Maybe race Porter was a fan of the John Donovan hire. Cause he got a lot of field time. People could not see my face. If they're just looking at <laughs> this, they did not see the video of just the absolute jaw drop. <laughs> just let me out. Ooh, I love it though. I love it. Give me all of the Trevor Mueller jokes. <laughs> um, offensive line, um, you know, looking, looking at, you know, they didn't give up a sack. Um, it looked like the quarterbacks had some time. They found holes. It's still not what I I, I got to stop grading them on what I was told by the head coach of this program to start the season. So um, I'm going to go with the improvement grade uh, of a B minus that uh, you can't be, 
you can't give bad grades when Washington, who's failed to score in halves sometime, many times, puts 30 points up. So I'm going to give some credit to the offensive line and I'm going to go with a B minus. I like that. I like that. We kind of got to see them exceed a lot more given the situations and kind of how you're joking, just, you know, like we weren't sure if it was going to be over the middle and it just made it easier. So I do like that. I like that grade. Awesome. And moving over to the defensive side of the ball, let's start with the defensive line. Defensive line was probably one of the most frustrating just because I felt that that's where the defense struggled the most. And so I feel like that kind of is making me grade them a little bit harsher, just giving up um, a long of 27 yards rushing to Rashad White, mm-hmm. 19 to Jane Daniels, 18 to Brian Thompson, all in really big key situations right. where I think it was kind of a little bit predictable what they were going to do, especially as Rashad White was the leading runner and receiver right. for the Sun Devils. With that, and it's again, it's not like they played bad. It was just the weakest spot on the defense, if that makes any sense. But, you know, I'll even give a little bit of a bonus point to Sam Taimani, who had a pass breakup yeah. <laughs> from the defensive line. Uh-huh. Um, that being said, I'll probably go a B, maybe. Yeah, probably B, B minus. I think that's appropriate because I think that they were really doing doing some good work and, and uh you know, some of those running woes come from uh, missed tackles from the back end as well, whether it was the tight ends or, or not, excuse me, the linebackers or, um, or safeties that I thought made some yeah. bad routes. Um, Voight Tanufi is going to be a star for this team. Um, he got another sack, Braylon Trice with two. Um, those are two young guys that are going to be in the program for a long time. And uh, I think that there's definitely some bright spots. And, and I think I, I'm not sure my guess is both uh, Sam Taimani and Tule Latu Gasanoa are back next year. So like hopefully with another year of um, being in the program, uh, not, you know, being on campus, um, I think you can see them make that big jump to where um, you're talking Tule like you would a Greg Gaines. Yes. So I think you're right. I think that, uh, I think that there was some issues, but I think that, you know, projecting forward as we're coming to the close of this season, I think that, I think you got to be happy with some of the stuff you've seen, even Jacob Bandis making some plays that, um, we didn't see earlier in his career. Yes. And realistic about just like the situation. And I think, especially if you go back and listen to our previous grades, especially early on, I mean, Montana, those grades deserved all those grades, but, uh, having those expectations that this was going to be a Pac-12 championship program or competing for one made those grades a lot more harsh, I think. And now that we've kind of humbled our expectations a little bit or accepted, what is it, you know, like accept the things you cannot change. Right. That is kind of where we're sitting now. Yeah. Uh, And that's actually a really good segue to one of the most, uh, confusing and confounding groups. And that's the linebackers. Um, I mean, just looking at it, Carson Brunner and Jackson sermon combined for, uh, 25 tackles, Brunner getting 14 Jackson sermon getting 11. Um, but there was some missed tackles in there as well. So what's your grade for them? Yeah, it would have been a lot higher if it wasn't for those missed tackles. And I'm being, I think, the easiest on them just because 
the situation, you know, not having ZTF start the season and then you lose Eddie mm-hmm. and Carson Bruner's needing to step up and he's the leading tackler for the game, 14 total tackles, nine solo. And then the next leading tackler is Jackson Sermon, yeah. 11 total tackles, nine solo. Yeah. And then Braylon Trice, like you said, had a great game, four tackles, two solo, two sacks, two tackle for losses. You're going to be happy with that production from those players. And it's hard because you do incorporate them as tackles, which were again, some could have been the different, the difference maker in this game. Arizona state might have seven less points and Washington wins by two. Right. Um, that being said, I do think that I give them a B plus cool. just yeah. kind of with everything circling, you know, the negatives and the positives. I think the positives outweighed a couple of those missed tackles because missed tackles happened to everybody. Right. And honestly, bonus points for Carson Bruner's uh, probably coolest tackle of his career so far <laughs> when uh, White tried to stiff arm it and he just went right through it for the for the tackle. Uh, He's like, not today. <laughs> yeah. Even Petros Papadakis was like, wow, that was a really good play. Uh, you know, White's an NFL caliber uh, player and he tried to put the stiff arm on Bruner and Bruner wouldn't allow it. I was like, yeah. I almost just had another really bad dad joke and just be like, not today, Satan, you know, <laughs> devils, but <laughs> okay. So it did land. I like those. Um, uh, uh, defensive backs. It's hard to grade some of these defensive backs sometimes when teams finally just stop passing on Washington. Right. You know, afraid of what you can, they're going to have a lot less tackles. Alex Cook was the third leading tackler with seven, five total or five solo, one yeah, interception. Okay. Uh, Dominic Hampton had six total, four solo, and a breakup. And then the DBs drop off quite a ways, all the way down to Asa Turner and Buki with only a couple of tackles. Mm. And so not a lot of action their way. Can't knock them for that. Overall, I was fairly happy with what the DBs were doing. I'd probably give them an A minus. Yeah, I would I would push back a little bit on that. I saw some bad routes taken specifically. There was one by Asa Turner where he just got outrun and that's what I hate about the just being at the stadium is you can actually see those so much better yeah. on TV. Yeah, for sure. And actually one of the things why I'm I, I should have brought this up during linebackers is you're you're spot on. Um Carson Brunner never takes a bad route from what I've seen. That kid takes great routes and he has his whole career and he knows how fast he, it may, he, he must be like a geometry major or something. Cause the guy <laughs> takes, he knows how fast he's he like, is. he's like, Oh, I'm calling your obtuse angle. With yeah, exactly. And I'm meeting you at the angle. tip of the triangle. <laughs> he's so. sitting there doing like Sokotoa in his head, like <laughs> exactly. figuring out the degree he needs to go. Exactly. So, um, I, I think, I think that, um, there was definitely some issues there that, that led to some bigger plays. Um, but the, you know, those outside two cornerbacks, I I'm pretty comfortable. I don't know how comfortable I am saying that they're the two best corner tandem that Washington has put out. Um, I, I have a hard time saying that just because we just never see teams go after them almost at all. Um, you don't see balls caught down the sidelines almost ever. And yeah. uh, those two are, I don't know if you saw, I don't remember who, which guy it was, but the projection was that both of those two will be selected in the first round. And 
man, just what an absolutely stellar year for those two. Yeah. Trent McDuffie. I can't believe I didn't even, you know, mention his name with the six tackles, all solo one sack, right. Two tackle for losses. He had a great day. And he, 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 the the thing about those two is you never mention them because they never get the ball thrown on them because they're so good. Yeah. I mean, Kyler Gordon had one tackle. Why? Because Ball only saw his field once. Yes. So, um, okay. Yeah. A minus sounds good. I like B plus too, though. Yeah. We'll We'll give him a B plus and a half. (laughs) Perfect. Um, You know, what comes next? We don't know. Honestly, you you look at um, the, the, uh, the inevitability of um, Jimmy, like probably never coaching a game again for Washington. Um, Bob Gregory will be the interim head coach for the rest of the year. Um, unless something crazy happens. So Washington has to win two more games. I I'm curious, Kayla, find out your final thoughts. How do you go about, what are you going to be looking for in this last two games of the season from the coaches or the players? In general, I think I, I don't, I'm not actually sure. I want you to answer. What are you, I, I want to know what Kayla Olin's going to be looking for. I'm going to be looking for good play calling again from, I think coaches just, can you write the wrong ship and get ahead in the right direction? whether that means that you are staying with the program with whatever new head coach comes in, if there's one, we're talking like there is, because I mean, it's inevitable, right? Exactly. And you know, this is, and I think you said it best kind of, this is an audition for junior Adams and he looked to kind of be taking some of the right steps. I'm not saying promote him to OC within the program. You know, you should, you should still do your search, but for the meantime, he's what's working right now. Um, so I do want to see kind of just riding the wrong a little bit there and getting more points on the board. Yeah. Um, I want to see the defense fix the run defense and whether it's kind of making some adjustments and trying different things against Colorado, because this should be another Arizona win where they may struggle for a little bit, but should inevitably pull it out. Sure. But you also have to look ahead to Washington state and Max Borky. And right. when has Washington lost some of these heartbreaking games that should have been closer, were closer, but then lost in the fourth quarter. And it's when these teams have a number one workhorse at running back. Very and good point. And Max Borgie is that person for Washington state. If UW beats Washington state, it will break the record for the longest win streak in the apple cup. Yeah. And ultimately that would lead both of these wins to being bowl eligible. So I want to see Washington put everything on the field because there may only be two games left. And I just, I want to see a complete game from both sides of the ball. And again, the kind of player mentality that we saw on the sideline last night, just looking to enjoy themselves a little bit more. Right. Um, How important is it to you to, for Washington to become bowl eligible? Yeah. 
probably more important than it should be because when teams don't go to a bowl game, it comes down to a little bit of coaching, but people look at the talent and they question the talent on the roster. And I said it in the very beginning of the season, we're doing this. And I think this is one of the most talented rosters Washington has had. Yeah. And it can be questioned with the outcome of some of these games or the decision-making or the fact that the defensive line does get beat by running backs, you Mm -hmm. know, the talent is there. It just hasn't been showcased or put on the field properly. And I think if Washington doesn't make a bowl game, it questions all of the roster, even more than it already is. But if they do make it, it's you literally defied the odds of what was happening during your situation, during your season. Yeah. And just not making a bowl game would not be acceptable when you had just such a high ceiling and projections. You'd say it's a fireball offense, but that's what we've already discussed. That's exactly. And Washington had one of the top three, five easiest schedules in all of FBS this season. You know, there is no reason why you could not have made a bowl. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that it's vitally important as well that I care. I genuinely care whether or not this team makes a bowl, even if it's, it's going to be, if they make a bowl, it's going to be a lower tier bowl. And I don't care because it shows. I will get my box of Cheez-Its and I will munch. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I hope they go to the Cheez-It bowl. Um, uh, my Cheez-Its. Uh, I, I think that what you said is great, but also, you know, like you, you want to give, especially those upperclassmen who could be moving on, um, one more chance to showcase what they can do when some of those constraints that were put on them by, uh, the coaching staff, uh, are gone. Um, but also just for the kids, I mean, you had um, to decline a bowl last season. Yeah. You yeah, know, they I were, they were offered kids. a bowl. They had to decline it just mm-hmm. COVID reasons. And some of these kids who have gotten to experience a bowl or for their first time, maybe they're finally a sophomore and they're like, okay, well, what's a bowl like? And it's here. Let's show you. Yes. It could do a lot for that team moving forward with the new coaching staff. For sure. Um, But it also just shows the grit of this group that um, uh, finishing the year on a two game win streak uh, to get to a bowl uh, really shows the, uh, the grit of, of the players on this team. And I just, I, that's what I'm rooting for. So um, we'll be back later. This Everyone week. likes a happy ending. Absolutely. Um, we'll be back later this week to talk about the Colorado matchup and uh, kind of figuring out what happens. We're, we're going to stay tuned to see what happens. We're going to be checking Twitter, checking the news to see um, really how, what this, this week is going to be like for this program. So for Trevor Mueller and Kayla Olin, go dogs, go dogs.